Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. We're coming at you hot. We're coming at you live on this one. It's a new sort of technology that your podcast yeah. app offers. Um, this is actually, technically, I guess it's a phone call, right? Uh-huh. If it's a live podcast that only you're hearing, Davis. Hi, Davis. <laughs> as soon as you press play, we race to our microphones. We race to our microphones, drop what we were doing, yeah. which for me was a big bowl of spaghetti. I was super excited to eat. I threw that on the freaking ground. But you didn't have to do. I know, but I want. I didn't want to be late for you, Davis. <laughs> our new uh, focused listen. There's probably not. I tried to pick a name that probably nobody is named that listens to our show. There's definitely some folks with the last name of Davis. But not. I'm not talking to you. Oh. I'm talking to Davis. Okay. And you know who you are, Davis. You're special to me. And um, I'll never forget the time that we shared together in Miami that one hot summer night back in 1978. Mm-hmm. We made love under the moon. 1978, Griffin, come on. 1999. There you go. We made love under the moon mm-hmm. as we danced to samba music. Your improv skills are, are so good. You would think unmatched. I have been doing this for uh, a decade. Do you have any small wonders? Um, I've been getting these like little mini, these little mini ice cream cones. <laughs> yeah. Um they're like little little drumstick cones. Yes. You know, but they're so tiny. They're so little. <laughs> they're like the size of your palm. Uh and, and as such they are relatively low calorie because you can eat them in one bite. They're like Hundo Cowboys, yeah. But they, they really satisfy my dessert craving and they're just such a sweet, delicious frozen treat. I love these. Not even for their uh, the the fact that they are not uh, you know gonna gonna blow up my sugar levels just yeah. from being like, but the size of it, yeah, is exactly how much ice cream I want. I never uh, we get like a pint of ice cream from Lick or Amy's or whatever. We never finish I, it. I never finish it yeah. because I don't. I only want a few bites of ice cream at a time, and that's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect what this is. God, it's tough for me to think of a small wonder. Uh, a lot of my mental, I want to let you in on okay. something. A lot of my mental brain space has been occupied by the Animal Crossing New Horizons intended direct <laughs> that we watched together when we were on uh-huh. tour in Cincinnati and just like sort of my brain won't stop sort of boiling is really the right word. feature you're most excited Well, I'm trying about? to think about like what I want to name the town because that's the kind of thing that like I know if I don't figure that out ahead of time, I'm going to like sit down with the game so excited, years of waiting, and then I'll sit there in front of the screen and then nine hours will have passed and I hadn't named the town. Um, and so like I've just sort of been kicking that around. Uh, and I don't even want to float shit on the show because it's like that <laughs> early in development, but it's just like constantly been percolating. Okay. Uh, but I guess I want to say that Nintendo Direct was um, hot shit. And uh, I'm very excited for this uh, for this game to come out. I'm uh, over the moon. Griffin's reaction was similar to when he watches a wrestling match. It was just like, just standing up, cheering, you know, running around in a circle. I'm glad you at least know, I mean, you know this, you've been playing this game for quite a while now and you're, you are quite into it or the, you know, the last one. One month. One, well, I mean, that's the longest (laughs) I've ever seen you play any video game. So that's significant. So at least you had that background when you saw me like when they, you know, broke down a piece of river or something like that and you saw me like i was slapping your arm like yes 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 you at least had like some vague idea of why that might be a good exciting thing yeah Yeah, i'm not gonna defend myself any further hey i go first this week okay my first thing is 
A O L Instant Messenger. Wow. This is not a thing I still use, obviously, because it doesn't exist anymore. But I would be. It was so formative for me, and I would imagine a lot of uh, my contemporaries that I, I would be remiss on not like recognizing its its excellence. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger was first released in 1997, and it had a great run until uh, a series of mergers brought Verizon to in to be in charge of the AOL brand, and uh, the uh, the chat service was unfortunately shuttered December 15th, 2017. Beautiful two-decade run, though. It had a good life, a strong life. Yeah. Really a one-decade run, because I don't know that so many people were using it past the year, like, 2010, or, like, whenever social media kind of became a thing. Uh, but, man, if you... So, if you are a younger person, and you were not, like, an internet user back then, uh, I think it's kind of tough to stress how, like, kind of drastically different things were with regards to uh, online, like popular communication and like kind of online identity uh and for me like aol instant messenger was and i think this is true for a lot of people like my first big footstep into having a sort of like online identity or like an online yeah okay. uh, uh like a facade for online communication um and that's why it was sort of so revolutionary is because you could get it for free and everyone fucking had it because a lot of people had AOL from the free discs. Uh, and so it just had this instant install base that meant like just everybody had it. Um, everybody at my middle school had it. And I remember in like computer class, just like everybody would have it open wow, a little bit or like in class. library. Well, in, you would learn ways to like keep it minimized and turn off like the alert sound so that it would flash in your task bar and you'd wait for the teacher to go away and you can boop, hop in there, chat a little bit, boop, hide it. It was a, it was a, it, I mean, all of us were just like straight up swordfish in there, just, just keeping our shit <laughs> t- fully cloaked. Um, but like everybody at school had it and I was never an especially like social kid uh outside of like the circles i moved in like my like you know church and like the uh you know community theater group that i did plays with for you know a decade or more um and so i wasn't like somebody who would talk to people on the phone and i wasn't somebody who was like great at talking to people who i wasn't friends with at school but I felt emboldened by having AOL Instant Messenger that I felt like this is a way, because texting wasn't a thing back then. Like this was really my first foray into online sort of text-based communication. And it it really changed everything. I was much braver in the chat space than I would ever be in person. Yeah. Like I, I had so many conversations, like pivotal conversations and like friendships and relationships over instant messenger. It really was in like preparing this segment that I really gave it a a, like fair credit for genuinely how like important it was in my life. Like I did not really know again outside of the the people who i had known my whole life like how to make like make new friends or meet new people or um find some sort of like common ground with somebody who i'm like just kind of acquainted with yeah. uh and like it really allowed you to do all that so like as a form of communication it was really important but what i like really love what i'm like really nostalgic about is this uh and i should mention like if you are a uh you know if you are a 
uh, extremely online person even before those days uh, doing, you know, shit like uh, bulletin boards, or bulletin boards, yeah. like, uh, 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 like, you know, like this was also a thing before AOL Instant Messenger, but AIM for me was like the big one that just sort of everybody was on and you didn't really have to like worry about it. Um, what I love about it and what I get nostalgic about is the very meager amount of customization or personalization or ownership you had over AOL Instant Messenger and how much you had to juice that to build this identity for yourself. Yeah, that's true. There are things that I think about like your uh, username. I can remember a lot of the usernames I had and they're almost all universally so embarrassing that I'm not even going to start listing them here. Um, That... Uh, that was important and then like you'd get to the point where you'd realize like oh my god the username i had when i was 13 is so embarrassing i'm 14 now i need a new (laughs) username but is it worth having to reach out to all my contacts to let them know i have a new username uh things like the color and font of your text was so hugely important no that's true and i mean of course your away message your away message and your like profile that you could have that would have like uh, and this was just basically like an away message that people could look at any time, uh, which again, you could customize the font yeah. of, but it wasn't MySpace, right? Like you couldn't put interactive elements onto that. It was literally just a message you could put up that you could change the font, the color of the font and the background of the font. That was, yeah. that was it. Yeah. And again, this may seem like kind of alien if you never used it and like Twitter or Facebook was your first sort of foray where those options aren't even necessarily made available to you. Uh, it really was important where like I remember all of the popular girls at at my school had a sort of sans leaning font with like lilac or like pink <laughs> colors. Wow. But like then if you wanted to be kind of edgy, you would have the black background with the red text. Oh, it was like unreadable. It was unreadable. There were a lot of unreadable sort of text options. I think I did like brown over yellow for a Ooh. while um, because I really wanted to stand out in a different way. I love that that was such an important thing. Like your your meager scraps yeah. of online sort of uh, uh, ownership that you could have, uh, which basically boiled down to like on your profile, like, well, here's my, you know, for a lot of the, the circles I rolled in, like, here's my favorite Bible verse. Here's my favorite, ev- <laughs> here's my favorite lyric from Everclear. Like, yeah. and that was enough. Like that was something that I agonized over trying to get exactly right because I wanted to have this perfect idyllic picture of myself that I could use as like my armor as I entered like conversations yeah. that I would be uncomfortable to have in person. Now for me, so I was started college in the year 2000 um, and freshman year, it was so instrumental in like me building relationships with people I had just met at yeah. college. You know, it was like, you would like somehow exchange screen names, which I don't really remember how that happened. But then like you would be able to like see their away message. And a lot of times they would like tell you where they were at, yeah. you know, and and then you'd be able to figure out like, you know, are they all hanging out together? Like you would check and see who was idle and then figure out like, oh, okay, so they must be, all right, so if they're here and then you'd like anxiously wait for them to become active again. Yeah. Um, it, it was so... It was a big deal. It was important too. Like I... uh I cannot uh, count the number of times that, like, the friends I was making, uh, especially, like, into high school, too, like, uh, I would be playing, I have this memory of being kind of 
uh, in sort of a, a dark place, kind of in like a, a feeling feeling lousy for an extended period of time. Uh, depression, I think they call it, uh, in high school. And like I was playing EverQuest like a lot. And there was one night where it was our homecoming game. And I had been like sort of growing my circle of friends in high school, which was sort of an agonizing process because I didn't have a great high school experience where I was just playing EverQuest and had been playing it like all day. And one of my friends like hit me up on IM like, hey, we're all going to the game together. You should you should come. It'll be fun. Uh, and I was like, oh, I can't. I just got this new expansion and, you know, I'm heading into the dungeons of Norath. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> let's go all have fun together. And I did. And I'm glad I did. Like, it was, uh, as somebody who was like online all the time, yeah. like it was a really valuable sort of, uh, yeah. you know, almost lifeline for me that uh, I haven't thought about. Like, I haven't thought about it in well over a decade and it was only sort of like when i stopped thinking about it as a joke uh i sort of realized like hey actually that was really important to me yeah Um, so yeah i'm getting like emotional talking about aol instant messenger which i was not (laughs) expecting but yes thank you aol your 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 instant messenger specifically you are a great messaging service a not great employer if i'm uh if i'm being honest yes yeah hey what's your first thing my first thing is the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Have you ever seen them? Not in person, have you? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't I, think I knew that. They came to like the uh, Sandy uh, Superstore Arena, the big Sandy Superstore yeah. Arena, uh, a couple times. Did you get some of those radio station tickets? Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really young when I oh, went. Okay. Uh, so I do not, I don't remember it like super, super well. I think I remember the like fake bucket of water gag. I feel like they did that at everything where they would like have like glitter in a bucket of water and pretend like it was full of water and throw it in somebody's face. Uh, Obviously, they did many amazing shots and dunks as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I have never seen them uh, in person, but um, I remember them being on television a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, there was a pair of players that were on several seasons of The Amazing Race that I very much enjoyed. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, they were so good. So good. Um, Big Easy was one of them. I don't remember who the other one was, though. No, I just remember them going down the water slide in that one big water park (laughs) where the one couple was too afraid to go down the water slide. (laughs) So they just cut them like, bye, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, they were great. Um, The Harlem Globetrotters have been around over 90 years. Uh, they were founded in 1926, back before uh, people of color were allowed to play professional basketball. It was originally a team called the Savoy Big Five uh, in Chicago, and they were named after the Chicago Ballroom where they played. Uh, and then Abe Saperstein founded them uh, as the Harlem Globetrotters in 1926. Um, and this was a real grassroots effort. He um, not only sewed their red, white, and blue uniforms himself, um, but he was also an owner, coach, manager, publicist, and sometimes substitute player. Fuck yeah. <laughs> How has there um, not been like, maybe I, there has been and I haven't seen it, like a a, a movie I don't about- know. I watched like a short YouTube video that was very dramatic. And yeah. the voiceover work on that was very intense. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen like a full length film on it. Yeah. Um, they So they played kind of as a serious team 
for several years. And it wasn't until the late 1930s when they started to do their like ball handling tricks and routines. Um, Saperstein worked really hard to get them to tour all over the country. Uh, and they were an incredible team. Um, 1948 and 1949, they twice defeated the world champion Minneapolis Lakers of the NBA. So they were, they were kind of an unstoppable force. And that's when they really started to become kind of showmen. Uh, and this was actually, the articles I read suggested that it may have accelerated the integration of the NBA. Um, the first African-American player drafted to sign an NBA contract was Nathaniel Clifton, who played for the Globetrotters. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they think it was that those winning games against the world champion Minneapolis Lakers that may have motivated teams to say, we've got to draft some of these guys. Yeah. They're incredible. Uh, Will Chamberlain also played. For the Globetrotters, 1958. I think I knew that. My base, my of all the sports, I would say my basketball knowledge is probably the most uh, limited. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I maybe know more about the Globetrotters than I do about um, a lot of current modern day like NBA teams. <laughs> That's the thing. I was a little nervous to talk about this because I am not a basketball expert by any means. I enjoy watching basketball games, yeah, but I just yeah. like I do not know. Like, I don't, I just do not follow, well, I don't follow really most sports. the thing about the Globetrotters but... is they're like, they're all about the stunts, right? Right. Which for people that aren't particularly like knowledgeable about basketball is like one of the big appeals anyway. Yes. It's like, I love the slam dunk contest mm -hmm. because that's like, I love a home run derby. It's the best part of the sport and it, that should just be it, I think. So the world record uh, for dunking uh, was set by the Harlem Globetrotters in 2000. You want to take another run at saying... <laughs> It's hard, though. It's hard say to say it the harm go trobbers. <laughs> you say it over and over again. Uh, okay. World record. Michael Wild Thing Wilson in the year 2000 set a world record by dunking on a 12-foot hoop. 12 feet. 12 feet. So the other thing I also don't know much about is just sort of like spatial relations. <laughs> um, but I think that's pretty big, huh? It's pretty big, I'm I think. F I'm 5'10". Yeah. So that's twice me yeah. plus four, in four inches. <laughs> yeah, twice me plus four inches. Yeah. That's up there, that's baby. That's real high. That's so... Well, how big... How high is the hoop usually? I guess 10 feet. Does that sound right? There's got to be people dunking it higher than... I'm thinking about it, and now I'm thinking, like, that's not actually that high. Will you look it up real quick? What's the, How high is the hoop? Basketball rim's 10 feet. That's two more feet, Griff. That's pretty substantial. Two feet is, like, one of my legs. <laughs> Hold on. There's twice me, four inches, and one of my legs. <laughs> is that how you measure everything? It's just... Hold on. How many Griffin legs? 10 feet... <laughs> is one me and then up to my shoulders and then you add one of my legs on top of that? <laughs> That's a very high basketball rim. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty substantial, I think. Was there a trampoline? I assume not. Okay. But you can't, you never know. Yeah. So I can't talk about the Harlem Globetrotters without talking a little bit about the Washington Generals. <laughs> These fucking guys. So I wanted to kind of talk about the history. So in 1953... Uh, they recruited a team called the Philadelphia Spas to tour as the Foils. Spas? S-P-H-A-S. Spas. 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 
this team had actually beaten the Globetrotters before, uh, and so they thought they would be a good team to travel with. Um, they were rebranded as the Washington Generals. They've also taken various identities throughout time, uh, such as the Boston Shamrocks, the New Jersey Reds, and the Atlantic City Seagulls. Uh if you do a little searching on the Washington Generals, they're on the Generals website, they list three times that they have beaten the Harlem Globetrotters. Hmm. The Globetrotters will only acknowledge one time, which was January 5th, 1971. Uh, they were playing without one of their star players. Uh, and, and part of the, the thing with the Globetrotters is that when they are doing stunts, the other team, the generals, is not allowed to like, you know, maneuver. So okay. like if they're doing like their little tricks or whatever, the team just kind of has to like let them do their tricks. Right. But when they're like, you know, rushing the hoop, they can like get in there and block and do their regular Interesting. things. So they were without their star player, Curly Neal. And so they kind of toned down the joke aspect of the game, which is usually like 70% of the game. Right. It's like them doing their, their antics. So they played more of a straight up game. And so the Washington Generals had basically kind of tied it up. And at the end, the 50-year-old manager of the Generals, who was also a player coach like Abe Saverstein, uh, had a last-second bucket to win the game. Hell yeah! Uh, Boy, I, how confusing must how must how apparently conf- there were like children in the audience crying because it was like so upsetting and unnerving to see this happen. Uh, two things, real quick. Spas okay. is an acronym. It's S P H A S, and that's the South Philadelphia Hebrew Association. Oh, okay. The that makes uh, more organization sense. that uh, uh, initially funded the team, and also by. Uh, merit of uh, just bad Googling on my part. If you do want to know like where to get a nice massage or kelp wrap in Philadelphia, (laughs) I can help you there as well. Uh, The Globetrotters defeated the general 16,000 times. (laughs) Oh my God. Get literally dunked on. Uh, In 2015, uh, Harlem Globetrotters management chose to end contractual relations with the generals, resulting in them ceasing operations. <sighs> However, just two years later, uh, the owners bought the generals from the Klotz family and revived them as an active team. I think we talked, I remember distinctly in my Bim Bam episode where we talked about like getting really into yeah, these new. It did seem familiar the to beast me. Beast or something like that. There was like some new player who were like, this is who we need to finally defeat the Harlem Globetrotters. I wanted to tell them it's probably still not going to happen for you. <laughs> um, I will also say another remarkable thing. They do a lot of charitable work. Oh, yeah. Um, in the 90s, uh, a former Globetrotters player purchased the team uh, and tripled revenue in three years and quadrupled the size of the team in five years. Uh, and under that management, they... Uh, amounted to more than 11 million in charitable contributions. Well, that's so great. Yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a cool thing. It's it's done a lot of groundbreaking things. I didn't mention the fact that there are women on the team. Uh in 1985, uh Olympic gold medalist Lynette Woodward Woodard joined becoming the first woman on a men's pro basketball team. This is 1985, the WNBA didn't start till 1996. Jesus. So more than 10 years before. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a, it's a cool thing. There's a lot of history there. Uh and it's 
it's super accessible and entertaining to all people. And they help Scoob and the gang beat up all the old men who pretended to be ghosts or whatever to stick. I don't know about this. Yeah, they. I mean, Harlem Globetrotters have been uh, friends of the Scooby fam, the Scoobiverse. For so they quite had some time. A, a cartoon show, yes, which I knew about. They also had a live action Saturday morning show called the Harlem Globetrotters Popcorn Machine. Okay. <laughs> This was in the 80s. I'm not familiar. Was it with a popcorn based cooking show? Because I'm extremely, oh, extremely that into be that. So great with all the ball tricks and the dunks and the popcorn. Well, you wouldn't want them to dunk the ball in the, in the popcorn. No, I was picturing more of like shooting popcorn into, into each other's mouth. Oh, that's oh. nice too. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense, I think, than throwing a basketball, uh, throwing a <laughs> popcorn kernel up and into a basketball hoop. I think it's going to be tough for a camera to. Capture that, really but capture that's that. not our job, is it? That's the director of cinematography's mm. job. Mm. And can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different <laughs> now? It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Got a couple Jumbotrons here. This first one is for Yuan. 
And it's from uh, Jancine, who says, Baby brother, we've had quite a rough 2019, but we've made it. You've shown incredible strength and have grown so much. I am so proud of you. Here's to hoping we finally got our matching tattoos by now, and it didn't hurt too much. Anyway, like mom said, love you yesterday, love you still, always have, and always will. That's very sweet. Oh, that's very sweet. I, I wonder hope. about these matching tattoos. Yeah. Do you think it's like um, two halves it, or like a snake and then when you touch them together, they turn into a real snake and jump out of or the body? Or along those Scooby-Doo lines that we were just talking about, I'm thinking like a Scooby-Doo, Scrappy-Doo. That can be really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fun. <laughs> can I read you the next message? Yeah. This is for George. It is from Meredith. George, listening to Griffin and Rachel with you every week is just wonderful. You're my favorite person and the best cat dad around. Thank you for letting me take you all over Disney World, laughing at my puntastic jokes and being my emotional rock through the really hard times of the past year. Here's to six years of marriage. Love you, my dude. Yeah, I mean, laughing at a puntastic joke is uh, is, lot, is laudable, I think. Um, is it hard for you to be in a family of such talented pun people? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, but that's my cross to bear. And you know, I like to insulate you from that because you don't know how bad <laughs> it gets. Um, but it's, it's rough out there. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a pun to like cause it, like be an example of something that they might say, but my brain is so incapable of enjoying them that they can't, it can't even make one right now. <laughs> Hi, I am Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cashin. Together, we host a podcast called... The Jackie and Lori Show. Uh, We're both stand-up comics. We recently met each other because women weren't allowed to work together on on the road or in gigs for a long, long time. And so our friendship has been unfolding on this podcast for a couple years. Jackie constantly works the road. I write for Conan, and then I work the road in between. We do a lot of stand-up comedy, and so we celebrate stand-up, and we also bitch about it. We keep it to an hour. We don't have any guests. We somehow find enough to talk about every single week. So find us. You can subscribe to The Jackie and Lori Show at MaximumFun.com org or wherever you get your podcasts okay bye hey can i hear your second thing yeah my second thing uh it's gonna be a quick one is arcades arcades oh. i haven't been to one in a while uh intentionally that wasn't like part of a bowling alley or a movie theater or something like that well um, pinballs Pinballs, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking recently. We haven't been to pinballs no, in a yeah, couple of years has, now. Yeah. Uh, but like, if you're a fan of games and you are like into that scene, like the arcade growing up for me was always such a like super exciting place to be. Um, and I'm not going to go into the history of arcades because it's short and like basically arcades came around and they got super popular and became like a cool hangout spot. And then home video games became a thing. And then arcades slowly, uh, excruciatingly mostly died over the course of uh, a few decades. Um, but I, I, I have so many like really positive arcade experiences. Am I like dating myself the most this episode? Yeah. It right. Kind of feels mess- like it. It, it makes you sound like you're maybe 45 years old. I'm not, I'm, I am 32. Um, in, in Huntington, we had like two pretty big arcades uh, worth talking about. The first was at the Huntington Mall. 
Uh, and it was just, it was called Tilt, and it was just a straight up arcade, like a big ass arcade. We had with, one at our mall called Exilorama. Ooh, that's really good. <laughs> uh, you know, it had tickets and prizes and like the whole deal and like a pretty good selection. A, a lot of like real estate for a mall arcade. Yeah. Like, way more than you would expect. It was like half the food court at our mall. Yeah. And it had, you know, the usual, the prerequisite stuff. It had light gun games. Uh, DDR, it had uh, air hockey, ski ball, all that jazz, mm-hmm. and like all kinds of like great shit. Uh, the second one was called The Pub, and this was like a pizza place. Uh, and oh. it had a just like a huge, it had like a big dining room area that had like a, it was a weird like 50s theme sort of vibe with like a jukebox. And uh, did they serve alcohol? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, I think so. I think they had like beer, but you could get like huge pizzas and shit. But then they had like this huge arcade in the back room uh, with like the same stuff. I was very focused on like prizes at that one because, you know, they would do the, you know, put a Game Boy Advance up on the prize shelf and be like, it's only 12,000 tickets. Um, and I never even would come close to that. But they had like really dope shit. They had like kind of rarer arcade games, which I was always excited to see. Like they had, um, there's this Sega game called the ocean hunter where you were these undersea like explorers with these like big jets that you oh. held on to and you could like uh and it was oh god it was such a shit hot game so they had like a great selection also it was like really near my church and also justin worked there for a summer yeah. so me and my buddies <laughs> used to like dip on over there after church was over Justin would put some free plays on ocean hunter and we would just like eat pizza and have coke and just like cruise on it and that it was sounds delightful so amazing Um, and I think like today they kind of operate in a different space than they did when I was, when I was younger, where now it is the ones that are still around, which again, there has been a great calling, um, are either focused on more like, uh, novelty or preservation or else are supported by like really huge, like competitive gaming scenes. Uh, there are a lot of stores or a lot of arcades for which like, uh, the newest Street Fighter cabinet uh, with like the latest updates is like their anchor of their entire sort of like financial backbone because of like everybody comes here to play this Street Fighter game against each other and we have tournaments and like all that stuff. Uh, I went to a ton of places in Chicago that were like that. Um, but like growing up, it was different. Like growing up, it was different. And you know, when my, when my dad was growing up, it was different. Like when he was doing it for me, like I loved video games and I did not have, uh, the like means to go out and buy any game I wanted. Anytime I, I got a game, I either traded in a horrifying amount of other games to like get, you know, the game boy camera. And I like traded in every video game I'd ever owned just to get it. Uh, or I would like wait for like Christmas or a birthday and hope I got the game that I wanted. So like being able to go to a place and get like a couple bucks worth of quarters and then use those to like play a bunch of different games was always so exciting to me. Uh, because I just, I just really liked playing a bunch of different stuff. Uh, and these days, like whenever I go to a pinballs, which you mentioned, which is this amazing arcade here in Austin where they do have like, don't they have like adult nights or something like that where they, yeah, it's like a, after a certain time they like, you're supposed to shepherd all the children out. Yeah. And they, can you like bring your own beer or something like that? I forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really rad. But like when I go to those places now, it is more like a nostalgia play for me like i am not usually going there to play the hot new video game i am going there to play the games that i kind of like 
really cherished my time with because it was a it was a harder sort of thing to come by for me. And so, like yeah. when I go there and I see like the old, um, uh, like the six person Capcom beat 'em up cabinets, like the Simpsons game or the X Men game, yeah. or uh, the some of those light gun games, like the, all the Time Crisis games and uh, Police Trainer. Like I've played that so much. Uh, because of my time uh, pl- getting free plays at the pub during Justin's incredible summer, and it still broke my heart whenever Wait, he quit that job. What is Police Trainer? It's like a light tr- light gun game, but like you shoot uh, like balls as they fly through the air, and sometimes there's like matching puzzles, and it's not like Time Crisis is like a straight up like guys jump out from behind a rock and try and shoot you. And is this the one's objective more- to become a policeman? Yeah, the ranks. It's <laughs> it's maybe a bit like problematic to uh, for me, a, a young person, to be like be. Yeah, this is all police work is bang i'm shooting all these different targets um but i liked like the puzzles and stuff like that uh house of the dead like all of those like great i i enjoyed me a light gun game um but like that's it like i go to the the arcade very rarely now but it's just like seeing those games and i play them and they're not games i can really play at home necessarily or at least have the same experience playing at home and it just like it makes me feel like super nostalgic in a way that i don't get for a lot of games um And uh, thinking about this segment really made me want to go to pinballs, uh, get back there. I'm not a big pinball enthusiast. No. Never have been, but uh, they have a lot of uh, lot of games, too. Yeah, that Simpsons game. I don't know what it is about that game, but everybody in our age range is just like a little bit obsessed with that game. I preferred the X-Men game. Uh, I really liked playing as Nightcrawler because you could just jam on the special button and he would dart all over the screen and just like blow everything up. <laughs> I didn't even have to be particularly good at the game to do it. Um, but yeah. Hey, what's your second thing? My second thing is inspired by you. Oh. And it is eyelashes. Oh, thanks, babe. These are the hairy mustaches on either sides of your eye. <laughs> if you think about them. I would say more and, and research supports this kind of like your eye whiskers. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, apparently eyelashes function kind of the same as whiskers do for a cat or a mouse. And they kind of like alert you to obstacles and dangers near your eye. That's not a wide margin of error. Automatically like shut your eye if something like brushes your eyelashes. Do you think that's why mine are so long is because I need a little bit of extra time to get these big orbs covered up? (laughs) I don't know. I just, I think you're blessed. I think my eyelashes are almost constantly touching my glasses. Is that bad? It's not great. I mean, I don't know why it'd be bad. It's just annoying. How are they going to do their fucking job if they are constantly <laughs> being touched? I think part of it too, and this is true, actually, a lot of people with lighter color hair will have lighter colored eyelashes. Mm. You got these real dark ones. Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really frame those eyes real well. Thanks, Ed. Is this whole segment just going to be you talking about how dope <laughs> my facial features no. are? No. Um, so there was a study not too long ago um, of eyelashes, specifically of um, mammal eyelashes, which are obviously most most of most where you eyelashes. Find I mean, there are like you know birds and stuff sure. that have eyelashes. Crocodile like, got an eyelash, probably the, os- the ostrich. The ostrich has beautiful. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Some of these ostriches so with there their was, come hither eyes. <laughs> there was a study of uh, chimpanzees, pandas, porcupines, cougars, camels over uh, two dozen mammals. Um, and researchers determined that most mammal eyelashes are one-third the length of eyes. One-third the length. So depending on the size of your eye, your eyelashes are, are most likely to be one-third of that length. 
I'm having a hard time. If you did like the diameter of your eye, that's your the length, length of my Okay. It would come out. I think I was thinking about length. the depth of my eye, the height of my eyeball. <laughs> I don't like thinking about my eyeballs as balls. I like thinking of them as yeah, little, of pla- little plates of on course. the front of my head. <laughs> I don't like thinking about the meat back there. Um, there is a suggestion that this is like the optimum length, not just for um, protecting the eye, but minimizing the flow of air over the eyeball. So if you're a mammal, you have those those wet eyes. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, hate them. Uh, and in order to keep um, evaporation at bay, uh, the eyelash at that length will stop the dust from getting in and also keep the, the airflow appropriate because the oh, air will yeah. come up over the eyelash and, and avoid coming into your So it's kind of like a badass spoiler for my yeah, eyeball. Exactly. I like these guys. Exactly. Um, so although mammals in the tests varied from a one pound hedgehog to a, a thousand pound giraffe, uh, the length of the eyelash were invariably one third the length of the eye. That is a fun that fucking fact. Yeah. Um, thick eyelashes like on a giraffe or a camel are more effective at blocking airflow, uh, but they also limit access to light. So the suggestion like a camel in the desert would need a thicker eyelash and one that's like more protective against the sunlight. Good idea, camel. Um, giraffe, kangaroos, and camels, uh, have several rows of eyelashes, (gasps) actually. Camels have three sets of eyelids and two rows of eyelashes. I don't like that. That's like a (laughs) cone heads. No thanks. That's yucky. Um... There, there is a suggestion though, like if you curl your eyelashes, like the curl of the eyelash doesn't make any impact into their effectiveness, uh, and that if they get too long, it's actually possible that you know it works against you. Mm. Um, I should get, I should go get mine looked at by science. Get yours measured. I think mine are too long. I don't think that's true. I babe. think I need to go. Do you get a haircut? No, no. So eyelashes like hair on your head will like just fall out, and the length they grow to is is generally mine. Have none of mine have ever fallen out? Oh, really? Yes. So now you're just getting braggy. I'm like a no. It's not a brag. It's a real <laughs> serious problem. You've never had eyelash on your cheek and made a wish? No. I just keep getting more and more and longer and longer <laughs> eyelashes. They hang down to my chin. I'm like a Junji Ito monster over here. It's fucking bad. Hey, can I uh, tell you what our... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think they're lovely and don't change a thing. Thank you, babe. I love yours too. Mm. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, our friends at home are talking. They're all a buzz. Can okay. I tell you what about? Yes, please. Angeline says, I recently moved to Philadelphia. I got some great, <laughs> great spa. spa racks for you. <laughs> uh, and I discovered that the Free Library of Philadelphia has instruments that you can rent and bring home for a few weeks like a book. They have a bunch of stringed instruments and some drums, including even a steel drum. Public libraries are already such great wonders, and I thought this service is an extra wonderful way to serve the community. That is That's amazing. Fucking incre- I read this, and I was like, I can't not talk about this on the show. That is the coolest shit ever. Wow. And the idea of... Uh, instrument libraries, which I know there are like initiatives that do this yeah. sort of thing in, in, in bigger cities, but like having it be as uh, commonplace as a, as a library, like 
That is so Can you imagine if you're like a little kid, like before, you know, your school has a band and you like, I mean, I remember this because I was in band. You have no idea what instrument to pick because you haven't played like 90% of them. This is a cool opportunity to like get to know new instruments. And for somebody like me who like listens to a bunch of bluegrass music and then is like, I'm going to learn to play the mandolin. And so I go and get a mandolin and then I try to play it for like a week (laughs) and I'm like, I am never going to be able to fucking figure this thing out. I, you know, won't be out one mandolin. Uh, Jenny says, I'm on my way out of Cincy from the Taz show, and I'm struck by how wonderful bridges are. There are so many between Ohio and Kentucky, and they look so beautiful and powerful. All the unique designs give a city a lot of character, too. I did notice some good bridges in Cincinnati. We got great bridges. In the, yeah. tri- in the whole tri-state area, we got a lot of great a bridges, of bridges. A lot of great New River Gorge Bridge. Can't beat it. A lot of great suspension bridges. Uh, yeah. What was that lighted one that we took? That was in, uh, that was, I think, Ironton. in Ironton, actually, uh, going out to Ashland, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah. So, like, in fairly unexpected places, like, gorgeous, gorgeous pieces of infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, not only relegated to the... Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, tri-state area. Yeah, but I am. I, you know, I did see some bridges in other parts of the country. I have seen them. I've almost yeah. certainly. I don't think I have ever forded the Mississippi River. I'm pretty sure every time I've crossed it, it has been on a bridge. <laughs> so, uh, hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of a theme song, "Money Won't Pay." You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, thank you to the Maximum Fun Network. Yeah. If you are interested in finding new podcasts, I encourage you to go to MaximumFun.org. There are new episodes of shows posted every day, and they are always very funny and fun and informative. If you really enjoy the stuff that uh, that we make and that the network uh, at, at large sort of champions... Well, good news. The Max Fun Drive is just around the corner. It is your chance to support us and support uh, this amazing community uh, by becoming a, uh, a monthly member here. And we're going to have lots of details for how you can do that and all the really cool stuff that you can uh, that you can earn for becoming a, a, a Max Fun supporter, uh, including all the bonus content, including like we've talked about before, the episode where Rachel played Animal Crossing for a month and then talked about it and <laughs> is a, a very near and dear episode to my heart. Got lots of other stuff too uh, from all of our past bonus endeavors that you're you're gonna find something that you're just gonna love. I guarantee it. But yeah. uh, that kicks off here in a couple weeks, uh, and so we're gonna have more details for you then. But you know, keep your ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. Hey, what should we go out on? You know what? I had a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook uh, expressing their enthusiasm for us ending last show, saying that we were proud of them. Oh, okay. I like the little like affirmation at the end, you know? So is there another way we could potentially compliment our listeners and make them feel good about themselves? I feel like that's going to get exhausting to think of new ways (laughs) to do that every week. So I would push that we try to come up with a sort of boilerplate, but it's got to be powerful. Yeah, right? I want it to be powerful. Um, Proud of you is like, it covers everything, but it also like, I feel like there's going to be people who know like I did not do... I really yeah. boned it this week. Yeah, you said you were proud of me last week, and okay, I deserved yeah, it. But I this boned week. it this week, so it feels like you're almost <laughs> making fun of me a little bit. So, like, maybe we do a sort of nerds box double p- package of just like, hey, we're proud of you, and sun will come out tomorrow, or like, you know, something like that. Like, better luck next time. I love better the luck nerds next- box double package. That's a good suggestion. Yeah, I like those. I can't eat nerds anymore, I don't think. That's just straight-ass sugar, man. That would ruin <laughs> me. Okay, anyway, we're getting distracted thinking about candy again. Don't change it. Don't change a thing. Unless you're trying to change. Ah, shit. <laughs>
<sighs> we need to bust out like how to make friends and influence people. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what about um, congratulations on washing your hands an appropriate length of time today? That's got it's so important. You got to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or whatever. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Is that what they did? Good work. Sometimes I'll do all of um, uh, I'll do all of Stay from uh, Lisa Loeb. <laughs> so it takes me a long time, but these hands get really clean. We'll come back to it. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.